Thank you. If you would turn in your Bible to Isaiah 61, as if you could do two things at once. Isaiah chapter 61. You know, we've been talking about shifting our perspective two weeks ago. And then last week, God decided in his sovereignty to shift our perspective on his own. For those of you that were here know that uh, I never got a chance to preach. I had a good message on praise and worship too. But God said, no, not today. And the power of God moved in this place so much. And I know that there are testimonies. I was gonna have, I'm going to have one person share his testimony here in the next couple of weeks when he gets back. But I'm telling you, God did something last week that was a significant shift in the life of New Day Church. Significant. And somebody said, well, that was a nice little service. I went online. I've got a, um, I've got a Facebook page with uh, pastors. They have to be a lead pastor to be on the page. They can't be an associate pastor or an evangelist. or you know, It's just lead pastors to encourage one another and to lift one another up, much like some of you might have a mom's page or something like that. And there's, I think, a couple of thousand lead pastors on this page. And I posted the question, I think it was Sunday afternoon or Monday morning, how many of you had one of those services? And I described a little bit about what happened here at New Day Church. And I am here to tell you, God decided last Sunday to take over his church. Just in, the, in a few minutes, there were 30 different pastors representing 30 different churches that said, that's exactly what happened in my service. That's exactly what happened in our church. That's exactly what happened in our ministry. Do you hear what I'm saying? Yes. Then we got a call from Joni's brother and her dad and saying, your brother wants to talk to you. The exact same thing happened in Abilene in their church. I'm telling you, God is taking over his church. And if we will let Jesus, the head of the church, take over the church, his church, Maybe he'll take over our families. (laughs) Maybe he'll take over our individual lives. Maybe he'll take over our communities. Because I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ did not leave a dead church. He did not leave behind a weak church. He did not leave behind a struggling church. He did not leave behind even an organized church. Can I say it that way? Jesus Christ left his church, and his church is powerful. His church is mighty. His church is meant to dispel the darkness and bring the light. He said that in his church, he told us in his word that the church of Jesus Christ is to put on display the glory of God. How many of you are ready for that? I want you to lift a hand to heaven. And I want you to say, Jesus, come. Reveal yourself through your church to this community, to this nation. And to the nations of the earth, in Jesus' name. I'm telling you, nonprofit groups are good. I love nonprofit groups. We support nonprofit groups, and I love them. But if they're not led by the church of Jesus Christ, if they're not led by someone who is a part of the church of Jesus Christ, come on, somebody. 
then they're just putting a Band-Aid on the problem instead of solving the issues. The church of Jesus Christ is the answer for the world, and I believe that's why the Holy Spirit is visiting his church again. And I believe he's about to do it. And some may say, oh, well, it was just, you know, because you went to Pensacola. Well, God's been stirring in me for months, long before that. But I will tell you, when those 12,000 people at different times through that three and a half days joined together for the church in America, I knew something shifted. When God's people join together in prayer, he does something. He responds. He responds. Brother John, I know that when we were in Georgia, God moved his hand to do something in Georgia and throughout the nations. I know that when God's people pray together, that's why I'm so committed to this midweek prayer time. And we're moving from Tuesday to Wednesday. We're going to try that. We promised that we would try Tuesdays. But our ultimate goal is not to just have one day of prayer. Boy, that shout me down right now. I tell you, I, 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 I don't want to tell you what I went through to get here and that I'm having to use this and the power of the Holy Spirit to hold me up right now. But I'm here for a purpose and a reason. No headache is going to leave me home. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you, God is up to something. And when we join together, he will do something powerful. Our goal is not to have one day of prayer. It's to have two days of prayer. And then three days of prayer. And then four days of prayer. Come on, somebody. We've already committed. Our French African ministry has already begun to lead the way quite some time ago. And I've committed we're going to join with them. Whoever wants to join with them and with me and with us on the first Friday of every month, we're going to go all night. Why not? You say, well, you don't need to go all night. That's like Jesus did. Did it quite often. Why not? Why do we think that we can get by in this life doing whatever the latest self-help book says? We've got to get back to the place where the word of God becomes our guide, where the Holy Spirit becomes our guide. And we are not shifted and we're not sifted and we're not moved by, by what the latest trend of the world is, but we're moved by the hand of God, Jesus Christ, the head of the church, moving his church in power through his spirit. Amen? Well, that's not my sermon. <laughs> Isaiah chapter 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. Aren't you glad God wants good news to be preached and not bad news to be preached? The gospel is good news. The world turns it into bad news. The world turns it into restriction and religion and all of these things. But God said it's good news. (laughs) He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners. That that word release from darkness literally means the blind will see. The blind will see. When my foster brother was blind, he couldn't see anything. All it was was darkness. And then when God healed him one night in our youth ministry, 
the next day he could see light be. He was released from his captivity. The next morning he was reading the newspaper. The day before that, he didn't even know where the newspaper was in the house. <laughs> Come on, somebody. When, 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 those, when darkness comes off, you see. Verse 2, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, an oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Who's they? Who are those people? Who are the they in Isaiah chapter 61? Who are they? They were the ones in the previous verses that were blind, that were prisoners, that were brokenhearted. Hello? That were sick, that were without hope. He says, once I come and I destroy the yoke of bondage, I set the captive free, I open up the eyes of the blind. Once that happens, they are going to be put to work. Look at your neighbor and say, it's time to work. Yeah, look at your other neighbor and say, it's time to work. It's time to work in the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on. I'm not talking about some kind of work that you got to work up and you got to make up and you got you to try your hardest. No, it's walking in the Spirit, which is what I want to talk to you today about. One of the shifts that needs to take place is we need to shift from the flesh into the Spirit. We need to shift from the flesh into the Spirit. Romans chapter 14, if you'll go there, Romans chapter 14, verse 17 and 18 says this, and I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation on this one. It says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of rules about food and drink, but is in the realm of the Holy Spirit, filled with righteousness, peace, and joy, serving the anointed one by walking in these kingdom realities, pleases God and earns the respect of of others. Did you know that when you're joyful in Jesus, that God is pleased? I, you know, growing up, I thought that, uh, that, you know, that pickle juice look on believers' faces was a gift of the Spirit, because I saw so many people with it. Uh, you may know what I'm talking about. But there were some people that I grew up with that didn't have that. And I thought, what's different about them? They both come to the same church. They both hear the same sermons. Sometimes one teaches one Sunday school class and another one teaches another Sunday school. What, what's the difference? It's the joy. Somebody tapped in to the joy of the Lord. They tapped into the joy of the Holy Spirit. And guess what? As a kid, who did I want to be around? Did I want to be around Brother True who, who passed out candy and smiled to every kid? Or did I want to be around somebody else that I'm not going to name? Come on, somebody. I wanted to be around Harry, Harry True, not because he handed out candy. There was something that attracted me to him. Just this old guy greeting at the door. He never taught a Sunday school class that I know of. 
He never taught. He never got up. As far as I know, he never once went on the platform to say a word in a microphone. Never once. He wasn't a wealthy man. And I could, like I said, name other people, but can I tell you that there is now, years later, only one Harry True golf tournament for missions that still goes on today. He's been dead 25 years. Funny, they didn't name the golf tournament after that other peop- those other people. I'm telling you, there's something about joy that not only pleases God the Father, but it earns the respect of others. You wonder why people aren't attracted to you at, at your job, at your school. Maybe check your joy level. Say, Holy Ghost, I need that. Righteousness, peace. And I love this, but I, I want you to see something. It, it doesn't matter which version you use. As far as I know, every English version I've read includes righteousness, peace, and joy in that. Every version. There may be a slightly different word for righteousness. But every version. How many of you say, yep, that's my version. The version I'm reading has righteousness, peace, and joy. And so for a long time we say the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But I want you to do something, not taking away from righteousness, not taking away from peace, not taking away from joy. But I want you to look at this right now and just use some of your English mindset or your, uh, what is the right word? Oh, I was not very good in, in school in English, okay? But there's a terminology for it, you know, for sentence structure. I want you to look at that. For the kingdom of God, say that with me. For the kingdom of God is. Now, Just for sentence structure, you can remove not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy. Why? Because those are descriptors of something else. You understand what I'm saying? So when you take those out, what is it? For the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. (laughs) The kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God is in the realm of the Holy Spirit and righteousness, peace, and joy are the fruit of living in the Spirit. When you come to the kingdom and when you say, Holy Spirit, I want to live like you live. I want to walk like you walk. I want to do what Jesus did. Jesus lived in the realm of the Spirit. That's how he walked. That's how he did miracles. That's how he taught. He did it in the realm of the Spirit. Look at Galatians chapter 5. It says, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and the power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. For your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit. But when you are brought into the full freedom of the Spirit of grace, you will no longer be living under the domination of the law, but soaring above it. What is that saying? Galatians 5, 16 through 18 is saying that there is a war within every believer. And it's this war to step back into your old life, the flesh, sinful nature, 
self-life, or to follow the leading of the Spirit. I'm going to tell you right now, if I could make it any simpler, I would. But I'm telling you, 99% of our problems come when we yield to the flesh instead of the Spirit. Let me say it again. 99% of our problems as believers, if you're an unbeliever, I'm not talking to you. You've got to have new life injected into you. But if you're a believer, there is still that pull from your old life to try and pull you back into its ways of thinking, ideas, and ways of living. And if we would simply say, I'm going to live by the Spirit. I'm going to walk by the Spirit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this by the Spirit. We can choose to live in the Spirit or in the flesh. And can I say this? I haven't said it in a long time. The flesh is a pig, my dear friend. The flesh is a pig. It desires everything <laughs> contrary to the Spirit. It wants its ways. It's the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. That is the flesh incarnate in our lives. But we, however, are not controlled by the flesh if we are in Jesus Christ. We are controlled by the Spirit if we allow the Spirit to move in and through us. As we keep reading in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says, But the fruit, he he goes before that and lists all of the sinful nature. And, And even this week I did a chapel, helped do a chapel at our kids' school. And we were talking about some things and and. And I talked to the parents because we had some parents, teachers, and students in the room. And I said, you know, the sinful nature is not just drugs and alcohol and, and murder. But do you know in that list, if we were to go back, there's gossip, division, backbiting. Hello? <laughs> so we're like, oh, yeah, that, that sin is so bad. I mean, you know, that's really bad. And it may be really bad. But division, backbiting, and gossip are just as bad. It's listed as a fruit of the flesh. But in Galatians it says, But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Did you know that the fruit of the Spirit is love, and then out of that love flows every other fruit? Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. I love that. Keep in mind that those who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion for everything connected with our sinful nature, our self-life, our flesh, was put to death on the cross and crucified with Jesus. We must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him. I like the way the NIV says that just because I've learned it many years ago. And when we walk, if we believe that we are in the Spirit, then we must keep in step with the Spirit. If we claim to walk in the Spirit, if we claim that we have the Spirit of God in our life, then let's begin to walk in the Spirit. And you say, but Pastor, I've tried. It's so hard. No, it's not. I don't know why that lie has permeated the Christian life. Oh, the Christian life is the hardest life to live. Listen, once you're dead, it's easy. 
Dead men don't get offended. The dead, they don't care. Dead men are not concerned about the future. (laughs) It's already been established. Dead men are not going, oh, what are they going to think of me? Come on. We've been to our share of funerals in the last year. Too many. But I can tell you this. Not one person I saw in a casket was concerned about what I thought about them at that moment. Do you hear what I'm saying? If we're crucified with Christ, then it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So the hard part, Chuck, is dying. Steve Hill used to say Christianity is not hanging around the cross. Christianity is crawling up on the cross. (laughs) Woo. Lord, let us die. Let me die to my flesh. Let me die to the sinful man and the cravings thereof. Because I want to live in your spirit. You say, but it's hard to live in joy. What's so hard about living in peace? <laughs> oh, righteousness. You've got you to do all these, these righteous things. No, it's his. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He makes us righteous. You can't make yourself righteous. And when we live in the spirit, righteousness just flows. Right living flows out. Oh, but pastor, you don't understand. I'm struggling. I want to to move quickly to this. Because Jesus is the ultimate, amen? Amen. So in Luke chapter 3, I won't, I won't quote every one of these, but if you guys want to put them on the, on the screen, that's fine. But on Luke chapter 3 is when Jesus comes to be baptized by John the Baptist. Why does Jesus need to be baptized? What is baptism? Baptism is dying to the old self and living to the new, right? Did Jesus have an old self to die to? No. Friends, Jesus was perfect. He had no sin in him. He, couldn't have, he could not have been the sacrificial lamb if there would have been one spot of sin on him. Every sacrificial lamb in the Old Testament did not have a spot. If they had a spot, they didn't sacrifice them. They wanted a pure white lamb or a pure red heifer. Jesus was the perfect spotless lamb. He did not have to die to the old self. He did it in fulfillment of the promise of God. He did it in fulfillment of the Old Testament so that he could show us the way. Everything, if you just, see, we think, a lot of times people think Jesus came to teach a lot. And I believe he did, amen? I'm so glad for his teachings. But Jesus didn't come. The Bible does not say he came to teach a lot. It says he came to die. And give himself as a sacrifice for many. Jesus came to serve. Not be served himself, but to serve others. To serve us. So Jesus was perfect. He didn't need to go under the water, yet he did to show us the way. And then as he came up, what happens? Come on, church, what happens? When he comes up out of the water, two things happen. What happens? Number one, the audible voice of God. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. 
What else happens in John chapter 3? Look at it. The Holy Spirit descends like as unto a dove. We don't know if it was a physical dove. We don't know if it was an angel, an angelic presence embodied by the Spirit. We don't know exactly, but the dove is that symbol. Pure dove. Lighting on Jesus. Now, I want you to keep reading. Look, are you in Luke chapter 3 right now? I'm going to turn there myself. Watch this. How many of you know that in the original text, there are no verses or chapters? You realize that? So what you have here is just for cataloging. It makes memorizing Scripture much easier. I appreciate it. But sometimes we stop at chapters... And we don't keep going because there's a continuation of thought in that. And, and, and you see that here. And, and, it, and it goes into the baptism and genealogy of Jesus after all of this. But I want you to, to look. Oh, I'm, yeah. Look at Luke chapter 4. So you, you have to see this. Jesus gets baptized in water. And then this is what happens immediately after. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the desert. There for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end end of them he was hungry. Jesus went from the water to the wilderness. When the Holy Spirit alighted on Jesus at the age of 30, that age in Jewish culture that says now you are a full man that you can take full responsibility for whatever you do. In other words, at the age of 30, you're no longer an apprentice to your father or to someone else. Now you have learned and you're a master and you can step out into whatever it is. So Jesus was baptized, showing us the way, showing us the death, burial, and resurrection of himself to us. And then where does he go? He's led by the Spirit into the desert. I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to say with all sincerity, he was led into the desert. Now, think about that. Shouldn't he have been led out to do his ministry? And yet, God in his infinite wisdom led him into the desert. I'm, I'm here to tell you, I don't know why, I just, I just, I just felt the Holy Spirit say this. That whether you're in the waters of baptism and the joy that comes with that. I mean, how many, how many of you have ever been water baptized? Just wave your hand. Was that a horrible day or was that a good day? It was a good day. It was like, yes, there's something that happens. I, I can't describe what happens in the waters of baptism, but something happens. And, and even though you may have been saved for years before or just days before, something happens and it's like, yes, it's a joyful day. It's an exciting day. How many of you know desert days aren't so exciting? So whether you're in the joy of the water or you're in the loneliness of the desert, one of the principles I believe here is that we need to choose the spirit every time. Somebody says, oh, man, I'm in a desert right now. The enemy has just got me down. The enemy has led me into this desert. Could it be the Holy Spirit that led you there? He led Jesus there. I remember when I was about 18 years old, we had had several points in my life. There have been just outbreaks of revival. And I remember in our youth ministry, when my 
foster brother was healed, kind of from that day on, something began to roll in the youth ministry in our church. My mom used to say, you're going to drive your youth pastor nuts. You're there more than your home. She didn't understand and know at the time that I was being called into ministry. She prayed it. I've told you that. But she didn't realize that that was really that impetus behind that. I wanted to be in the house of God. I wanted to learn. And I can remember that out of that, we started having this pocket of revival. I remember a service. It was actually a lot like last Sunday, only it was on a Sunday night. And I honestly don't remember who spoke, if anybody spoke, if the pastor spoke. All I remember is the altar time. And I remember the power of God coming, and it felt like just wave after wave of his presence. I was just 18 years old. I remember these waves of his presence, and I remember several young people falling out under the power of God, and we didn't, we didn't have language to call it falling out or being slain. or We didn't have any language like that. We just knew that, man, they're overcome by the Spirit. And I remember one young man who, had, who was my best friend at the time, and he was so overwhelmed by the Spirit, and he had a vision. And for the next 45 minutes to an hour, all he did was weep. And when I'm talking about weep, I'm talking about heaves. And then he would, like, kind of come to, and then he would weep again. Now, this young man, I won't say his name since we're live, but this young man was a bodybuilder. <laughs> he and I were total opposites. I was like, let's go out to eat. He was like, let's go work out. But we were best friends. But he could, he could deadlift, I mean, all this stuff. He was, a, he was kind of a short guy, and, and, and he just wanted to tell everybody who he was and how, what he could do. He was huge. And so I just wanted to set that up for you. This is not some little kid... You know, that's just whatever. This is a young man who's being overwhelmed by the power of God. When he got out from that experience, he told us about the cross and how the Holy Spirit took him to the cross. And this is his experience. And how that he would see Jesus on the cross and he would just weep, knowing that Jesus was there because of his own sin. And then Jesus would speak to him and say, I love you. And, and it just went on. And then he showed him some different things. It was powerful. Within a few months, most of those kids that were in that powerful service were drinking alcohol, drinking and driving, doing all kinds of stuff. It still affects me today. That young man who saw visions literally of hundreds of thousands of people getting saved as far as I know, because I know some of his family has never done anything with it. Nothing. I don't think it's too late. He's not dead. But I thought, God. And I remember being in the sanctuary. The pastor, yes, I was at the church so much that they finally gave me a set of keys. And I was in South Fort Worth in a bad part of town. And I went in and locked the door behind me. And I went and I just wept and wept and wept. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me some things. And this is what he spoke to me because I told him, I said, God, I can't do this. I, if I'm going to do this, I want to do this with friends. I want to I live for you and, and do this with others. And he said, I took all of those friends away and made you feel this loneliness so that you would know I'm all you need. And then his presence came and filled me with joy. I'm telling you, sometimes God will pull you away to pull you close.
That's for somebody today. So after the wilderness came Jesus' ministry. I believe that when we allow the Spirit to lead us, even through the wilderness, the wilderness can become training and preparation ground for something new that God is about to do in and through you. You may say, I don't understand all of this. Give it to Jesus. Spirit, lead me. What is the song? Spirit, lead me where my faith is without borders and I can walk upon the waters wherever you may lead me. Now, I want to finish up with this. Since the kingdom of God is living in the realm of the spirit, as we learned a minute ago, I want to look at a few characteristics of what kind of lives we can be living. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, We comforted and encouraged you and challenged you to adopt a lifestyle worthy of God who invites you into his kingdom and glory. Can I tell you, God is inviting you into this life. He's not keeping you from it. He's not making it hard for you to enter. He's saying, I'm inviting you to come into this kingdom and life and glory. I'm inviting you in. Stop fighting me. Stop pointing fingers. Stop looking at everybody else and come on in. Come on in. Matthew chapter 10, Jesus commissioned the 12. And this is what he told them. Go into the harvest fields. Don't go to the Samaritans. Don't go to the, to the, uh, any not basically any non-Jewish people. He said, go instead and find the lost sheep among the people of Israel. As you go, preach this message. Heaven's kingdom realm is accessible. It's here. It's near. It's close enough to touch. You must continually bring healing to lepers and those who are sick and make it your habit to break off the demonic presence from people and raise the dead back to life. Freely you have received the power of the kingdom, so freely release it to others. Look at this. Somebody said, I don't know what to do. I want to know God's will. I I bring you exhibit A. Heal the sick, raise the dead, Cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely give. So students, when you come to me or come to Pastor Joe or or go to Pastor Nathan or somebody else and say, I don't know what the will of God is. I authorize you to pull this verse up and say, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you've received, freely give. Why would Jesus tell them to do something that would be hard? We've made this hard. We've made this difficult. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is living in the realm of the Holy Spirit. When we live in the realm of the Holy Spirit, I believe we can change atmospheres. When we live in the realm of the Holy Spirit, I believe that we can heal the sick. Can you bring that back up, guys? Joni was in a store yesterday. I went over into the coffee shop. She went into the store. She started talking to someone, and it's her testimony to give, but you mind if I share a little bit of that? She came out of the store, and I came out of the coffee shop about the same time, and actually the lady kept talking to her, and then finally we left. And (laughs) Joni said, and I could tell when I walked in, I walked into the store first with Joni, and then I went to go get the coffee. And one of the reasons I went to go get the coffee is because 
To be quite honest with you, I thought the lady had been maybe nipping something in the back room, you know. She's a store owner. She's the only one there. And then it was confirmed when as I was walking out the door, she says, instead of going over to the coffee shop, sir, I've got some margaritas in the back if you would like. That confirmed it at that point. But Joni wanted to see some of the clothes and some of the stuff in there, so she kept talking to her, and she said, as she was talking, she was talking about the store, and she said something changed when the lady herself began to talk about how she felt God led her to start that store. Joni, this is true, right? She said her eyes cleared up. Her speech was not tipsy at all anymore. And all of a sudden, everything came to being, and she talked clearly. Now, we can argue about where she's at with God. I'm not here to do that. But I'm here to say, when you begin to bring the Spirit of God into the equation, atmospheres change. How many of you feel like that, that there are only demons in other nations? That's good, because that's not true, is it? The demonic is everywhere. What do you think is causing these mass shootings? The guns aren't shooting themselves. It's the demon-possessed that are walking in and killing people. I say that emphatically. Some of you just got real quiet on that one. What, what, other, what other spirit would possess someone to kill innocent people? Hello? It's a spirit of murder. Demons are real, and demons are here, but how many of you know the church doesn't have to fear demons? We're not to fear demons. We're to cast demons out. We're to recognize, identify, and when I say identify, I don't mean, oh, demon, let's talk. Why don't you talk, tell me about your name and all? No, don't even give them that. Just out in Jesus' name, amen? You got to go. That demon's got to go. Go over to Mark 16. Should you think this is only for the 12? I want to end with this first. You guys got it up there? Thank you. Mark 16, verse 15. says, and he said to them, 16, 15. Mark 16, 15. There it is. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Keep going. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, say that with me. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Keep going. Let's all read together. They will pick up serpents with their hands, and if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, every single one of those signs happened through the New Testament believers, everyone, including Paul, when the serpent came out of the fire, latching onto him, he shook it off, and it didn't affect him at all, and a whole village came to Christ because of it. These are signs that should follow them that believe. These are kingdom signs that follow them that are walking in the Spirit. Some of you are like, man, if I could just, 
if I could just pay my bills next month, I'd be good. We got to get past that, church. It's time to get beyond that. Yes, God will take care of your bills. You, I've got sermons on that kind of stuff. We can go there. But what a, this message series is about is shifting your reality, shifting your mindset, shifting your thought processes into where the word of God is. And kingdom living is not just paying your bills day by day. Kingdom living is casting out devils, healing the sick, baptizing unbelievers, and helping them to become believers. Come on, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Come on, there are signs that will follow a people of God. Let me say it this way. When we follow the Spirit, signs will follow us. When we follow the Spirit, when we preach the word, signs will follow us. And you say, I've never seen that happen in my personal life. Can you tell me this? Be honest with me. How many of you have seen some of these happen in a church service or at a ministry time or maybe with somebody that you know, you've seen some of these things happen? Raise your hand and wave it at me. Amen. I think it should. It should continue, amen? It should happen in services. It should happen when we gather together. I believe that. But can I tell you, it should happen when we go out. And you say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Are you setting us up for this whole block party thing? Are we going to be casting out demons at the block party? If necessary. (laughs) Now, I don't want you to put that on your flyer. Come to the block party where we're going to cast all your demons out. No. We're not going to put that on flyer. But you know what? We've made this thing about the demons foaming at the mouth and falling on the ground and all of that. How many of you know the power of God is stronger than that? I believe we're, we're about to start. We didn't announce it officially in our announcements. But in a couple of weeks during Joni's class on Wednesday night, we're gonna, we'll send out an email and let you know. But in a couple of weeks, we're going to begin to teach on how to pray for the sick, pray for those who are demon-oppressed and possessed. We're going to teach on how to, to bring somebody from point A to point B to move them forward in the relationship with God through prayer. We call it a healing room or something like that. We're going to begin to do that. After we do this teaching at the end of September, beginning of October, then we're going to begin to demonstrate it. Amen? Do you know, just, just since saying it, I've talked to, I think, three people or four people in the last week that I've thought they'd be a good candidate for ministry like that. They'd be a really good candidate for that. And I've told them, you'd be a good candidate for what we're about to do. Would you be willing to have somebody pray with you and for you and lead you through into your victory? Remember, we go all the way back to Isaiah. How many of you believe it can happen? What I want you to do is I want you to begin to believe it for your own life. Would you stand with me right now? I know I said a lot. I had two weeks pent up there.
Can somebody come and just play just quietly? I don't, I don't want singing at this point. Just quietly. I want to get to the place where in every single service, in every single gathering, whether it be a prayer gathering, a Wednesday night class, Sunday morning, or French African ministries, I want to get to the place where in every gathering we see God demonstrated in power and in the Spirit. I'm going to tell you, every service is not going to look the same. If you go back and through the Gospels, you won't see Jesus doing ministry the same every time. You don't see him healing even everyone the same. Sometimes people were let down on roofs. Sometimes it was very, very secluded and just he and a couple of other disciples. Sometimes it was in huge crowds of thousands, 25,000. The point is not the the platform. The point is, God, we want to live in your kingdom. We want to stop living in our flesh and we want to start living in the spirit where righteousness, joy, and peace flow, where the gifts of the spirit flow, where the fruit of the spirit flow, where, where even the characteristics of the kingdom, healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, Cleansing the lepers follows. But some of you in this place are just at a place and you don't have to stay here long, but you need to surrender your flesh to Jesus. If you're in this place today and with every head bowed and every eye closed and you say, Pastor, I I struggle with my flesh on a daily basis. And, and I want to define that. I don't mean that you get up and, you know, you got to have three cups of coffee to get going in the day. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that temptation and sin is constantly banging at your door and you feel like that it's about to break through. Jesus told Peter that. He said, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you. But you must master it. Mm. Actually, God told Cain that. Sin is crouching at your door. You feel like that. If you feel like that, but you say, but I'm willing to surrender my life to the Lord today because I want to not, I don't want to live in that struggle with sin and self like that any longer. I want to, I want to live to the spirit. I want to walk in the spirit and I'm willing to surrender my rights, surrender my life, surrender it all to Jesus. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You can put your hands down. Anyone else say it's a daily battle, struggle, and I want to surrender my life to Jesus, thereby walking in the Spirit. Would you pray with me right now? God, I pray for these individuals in the name of Jesus 
that as they surrender to you, just tell them, just say, Lord, I just give it all up to you. If you raised your hand, just say, Lord, I give it to you right now. Come on, let's pray for them. Lord, I thank you, God. You know who it is. You know exactly what they're going through, the exact struggle they're going through. And God, there's not enough Bible studies. There's not enough, there's not enough of anything that's going to break them of it. It's your spirit that will break the bondage right here, right now. Lord, we release your spirit in the name of Jesus. Here and now. For those of you who raise your hand, just say, I receive. I receive. I receive, Lord. Receive everything you have for me. As you're doing that, how many of you would say, Pastor, I know it's every believer that we're going to struggle, but but I'm just done with some certain things in my life. I know that the Holy Spirit convicted me of certain areas in my life that I need to fully surrender to. Maybe in the battlefield of your mind. It may be in, in an addiction. It may be um, something else. I don't know. I hesitate to put too many labels on it. But you just know there's some areas of my life or there's an area of my life that I want the Holy Spirit to just come in, to flood in, and just reveal his light and life to that. Would you raise your hand? Thank you, Jesus. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Could be the lust of the eyes. Could be the pride of life. I want you to do this with me right now. Would you grab somebody's hand next to you? Yes, Holy Spirit. I I really feel like I need to do this very specifically. Not just someone next to you, but can we just on, on, on the left side and on the right side, can we just form like a chain? Just form a chain. just feel led to do this. Yeah, just grab as many people as you can. Holy Spirit, come now. We've asked you all throughout this service. God, I just ask in the name of Jesus that you would come now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, reveal the Father's hearts Reveal those hidden areas that need to be made whole in the name of Jesus. Just receive it. Just say, Lord, I receive. And as he's revealing things in you, just give them up. Just say, Lord, I give that up. I give that up. I give that up. In the name of Jesus. The Holy Spirit is moving right now through each hand. (laughs) He's moving through this chain right now, and he's breaking chains of bondage. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I release healing power right now in Jesus' name. God, you told us to lay hands on the sick and they would recover. God, I lay hands on them right now in Jesus' name. Let healing flow. God, we bind up the brokenhearted in Jesus' name. You told us. 
It's not us. It's your anointing. We bind up the brokenhearted. There's somebody that has been brokenhearted over something lately. You just give it to the Lord because the Lord is healing that broken heart right now. In the name of Jesus. There's someone who's been battling with depression. The Lord is healing you now. He's coming and he's rewiring your brain right now in Jesus' name. He's releasing what you need. It's called him. I release peace right now. Joy. Peace and joy. In the name of Jesus. There's some of you that feel like as you're even praying for somebody that there's something specific you need to pray for them about. That's okay. You can do that. Just pray. You don't have to wait for me. Just release it right now. Just release the kingdom of God. We release the kingdom of God right now. Holy Spirit, we really say come. Mm -hmm. Mm. Courage. I hear the Lord say courage. Take courage. Take heart. Take hope right now. The Lord is releasing courage in this place right now. He's releasing hope in this place right now. Some of you have been struggling with that. Just struggling with not having much hope. Been discouraged. But the Lord is taking that dis out of the way. (laughs) And replacing it with courage. couple more things. I just want you just to receive joy right now. The joy in the Holy Spirit. If you're walking in the Spirit, let the joy flow right now. Let it come out of your innermost being. Flows rivers of living water, according to John 7, 37 and 38. Let the joy of the Lord be your strength. Whew, some of you receive it right now. Just receive joy, 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 joy. Down in my heart. <laughs> Joy. Joy of the Lord. Oh. God, we thank you for unity in the brothers and sisters in this body. God, we thank you that you have plans and purposes for this body. God, that you have not left us, but you are with us. And that we are a part of the greater body of Christ that is crying out to you, Come, Holy Spirit. Come and move among your church. Come and move upon your church. Okay, okay. Worry, fear about finances. Go in Jesus' name. Let the joy of the Lord fill you in that area. You are beloved. You are protected. You are in his arms. You can't add one bit to your life by worrying and fearing about those things just say I trust you Jesus yes amen 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 hallelujah 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 
perfect love cast out fear. You see, there's times when the Lord wants people to lay hands on your head. There's times when there's oil. There's times when there's a massive altar call, but there's just times the Holy Spirit wants to do something in you. And part of it is that that he wants to show you. He He doesn't have to do it the same way. Right now, he's flowing through this entire body. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, we say that to you again. Not just at the beginning of this service, but at the end. We say, Holy Spirit, come and do what you want. Come and do what you want in the classes on Wednesday. Come and do what you want in the prayer times. Come and do what you want in this next service, God. Come and do what you want in our homes. Come and do what you want in our lives. Come and do what you want in our workplace. Come and do what you want in our neighborhoods. Come, Holy Spirit, and do what you want in us. We want to be people of the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. Yes. You know, one of the things that we did this past Tuesday, and we're going to close with this, I promise. The last few weeks we've been praying for the nation like crazy and just just this intensity and this last Tuesday morning prayer meeting was a little different and I kept trying to pray for the nations and the Lord would bring me back to us and bring me back to our our community in DFW can we just lift up holy hands right now for a moment and can we just pray for this community God we know that you have plans and purposes for Southlake for Keller for Westlake, for Colleyville, for Irving, God, for Arlington, for Trophy Club, for Roanoke and Hazlitt, Saginaw and Denton. God, you have plans for North Richland Hills and Richland Hills, God, and Hurst and Euless and Bedford. God, you have plans for this whole area, for Fort Worth and Dallas, God. God, and we know that you are wanting to move in this community in a powerful way. So, God, we say... Use us, God, to be your carriers of the glory, carriers of the anointing, carriers of the kingdom, God, as we go out of this place today. Would you use us for your glory and for your honor and your majesty? God, would you do something powerful at New Day Church? God, we thank you for your presence. We want more. God, we thank you for supplying all of our needs, God. We want more to reach more missionaries, to reach more of this community. God, we thank you that you heal all of our diseases. We want more, God. We want to do more in the kingdom, Lord. God, we thank you, and we lift up even New Day Church to you now and say, come do what you want.
You're doing a new thing and a fresh thing, God. Would you come and have your way in us? In Jesus' mighty name. Now, God, I release these people into your blessing and the kingdom of God. You're the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You are called, chosen, and anointed by the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you.